Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring developer advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hey, fans. How you doing? Welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. How are you? I can't believe it's Thursday. It's Thursday, the 2nd of March, and this year has just flown by. Uh, I, wow. Uh, I am glad to see you all, glad to talk to you all. Um, today we're going to be, we've got such an, an amazing episode. I've been, I'm sorry this is a little later than usual. I've been trying to do it like earlier in the day my time uh, usually. But you know, today it's a little later. And um, uh, that's because I was doing a live stream. And you know what I was doing in my live stream? Expense reports. I actually have, uh, uh, I had so many expense reports to do. And I was just very lucky that we have this amazing community that was, uh, I, I literally just called the live stream expense reports and chills. So if you want to like come hang out and talk to me uh, and talk with me uh, about whatever, I don't care. Uh, it was a lot more fun than just doing my expense reports by myself. I'm still not done. Still got expense reports, but at least the journey was fun and I learned a few things. So, you know, here's to more of that. That was cool. Thanks. Thanks, team. We did it. We got some expense reports done. Um, today's episode, today's episode is going to be great. Today's uh, Oleg Jurakuski, who's who rejoins the show. He was on the show before uh, years ago, a couple years ago, a few years ago. I don't remember. It's years. It's been more than been more than a year, so I can say s. Uh, I think it's been more than two years, if I'm honest. But um, either way, he's uh, indefatigable, uh, amazing Oleg. I just you know he's he's been on the Spring team, uh, working on integration and messaging and middleware and all that cool stuff uh, for for as long as I can remember. I mean, since before I joined, right? Uh, he's just been one of the uh, bastions of, uh, you know, messaging-based systems and services and software in the Spring ecosystem. And so I was just very excited to have him uh, come to join today's episode. We did this as a live stream on my YouTube channel, at Coffee Software, uh, just a f like last week. And so if you didn't see it there, you can listen to it here. Um, I don't know what people prefer, but I'm hoping that by, by crossing the streams, as it were... Um, more people will be able to get access to this content and enjoy and all that. So let's just dive right into it. We've got a lot of lots, lots of stuff to cover, lots of stuff to get into. I hope you enjoy and uh, and get something out of it and have a great weekend. And uh, we'll see you next time. Well, we're live. Yeah, yeah, we are. I mean, I don't know if there's anybody here yet because, you know, like uh, we just went live, but uh, we're right. live. And so, <sighs> I was listening oh, to you and Glenn a few hours ago. He's the living embodiment. Uh, like if a smile had legs. Yeah. If the idea of a smile was given form, you know. Yeah. I tell you <laughs> more. When we have a cloud meeting, like on Thursday, we have a cloud huddle. Uh -huh. and so Glenn joins as everybody else. And usually within five minutes, if Glenn didn't say anything, I'm like, well, something's wrong because <laughs> it's like this room is just it's broken until he just pulls his quirky, dorky joke about something. Of course, his t-shirts are classics. I mean, it's a, it's a basically like he's the only person in the world who you can say, oh, get some reading material, which is Glenn's t-shirts. That's a reading right, material. Right. Yeah, he doesn't just bring his A game. He brings his A yeah. tech, you know, like, uh, yeah, I love Glenn. Right. And we, we, we all, everybody on the spring team is amazing in their own special way. Uh, but uh, none of us are, I mean, I, I'm i sort of quasi-famous for my t-shirt, but I've only got one. 
right? It's a spring t-shirt. That's, that's right what now. makes you the opposite of glam. You're famous yeah. for a single t-shirt. You got- and that t-shirt is. I fortunately, unfortunately, I have a picture of you in Moscow in that t-shirt in Red Square. <laughs> I, that was a that was a great moment. Hey, I'm gonna go get yes. some water. Uh, we'll yes, go ahead, Josh. Oh, I just got what you, okay. I just got what you were saying about the, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red Square, the, the place is beautiful. Uh, obviously the. Uh, no, the country yeah. is beautiful. The government sucks. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's, and that's true for a lot of places. You know, you can, you can love yeah. the, the vista, the view of the thing, you know? Right. Anywho, let's. Uh, uh, yeah. Stay positive. Um, I'm trying. We, it, it, you and I are going to do our best impressions of Glenn today. It's going to be awesome. We won't be able to succeed, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> um, okay, my friend. So this is the second live stream where I'm crossing the streams, right? I've got the podcast, uh, and uh, it's it's a thing you can do if you haven't got any value for your time. Um, uh, actually, the podcasts are fine. They're not terrible. People are fine. You know, it's, the worst part is me, and you can't really get rid of me, so... You're just kind of stuck with it. But the best part, I, knowing what a deficit you face when you come into these uh, podcasts um, with me, I always arrange for somebody amazing to be on the show. So that's why today we are rejoined by my buddy uh, Oleg. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I'm just glad you're here, buddy. This is our, so we're going we're gonna to put this one on the YouTube uh, as well. We're live. This is not a normal thing. Um, thank you, Josh. And, well, I have a question you. for you right, right off the bat. How long do you know each other? Uh, 13 years more, more like, like yeah, since 2010, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. it just, we, we go way back, like, way back. And, uh, we, we've lost hair and gained weight in those, in those years. And, uh, yeah. uh it's just been, we, you could measure us. And I think we're, you know, there's a, like if we had an hourglass full of lost hair and gained weight, it would just get worse and worse over the years, but we are wiser for our time together, you know, like, but I'm glad I had a chance to meet you, and I'm glad I had a chance to call oh, you as a friend you. for this last 13 years. Even, even when I left the company for a little while, we still maintained contact. So, yep, it was a lot of fun. It was a, it's one of those things where, like, uh, we, you just know there's people yeah. out there that are doing amazing things. You just got to keep them in touch. You know, uh, I don't. And that's as you said earlier. That's the entire Spring team. I mean, there is a reason yeah. why. There's only about what 40, 50 engineers. So I hope yeah. not developing the, any inside information, but the amount of stuff that that little group produces. Oh my! I mean, yeah. it's well, it's not infra, it's not inside. Go to spring.io forward slash team, whatever that yeah. number is. That's the that's what we yeah. consider the spring team, and it's a rarefied group, and people don't leave, right? Almost never, and when they do, like with you, for just a minute, and you came back, right? There's a reason. It's just such yeah. A, privileged it's rare like I, you know i went i wander around and i'm like what the hell am i doing <laughs> I, I had it so good and you know uh, working on things that change the world um my friend yeah so we talked we've had you on the show before but can you just introduce yourself ever so briefly so that i don't butcher it 
in, sure. in whatever uh, terms you want to do it. Oleg Zorkowski, I consider myself one of the original Spring Sourcians. I'm proud to always say that I'm the 99th employee because back then we had like a very small uh, Atlassian wiki. And since my last name is Zorkowski, it starts with a Z. It was always last. No matter how many people were hired after me, before me or whatever, I would just kind of like push down the stack. So and I remember clearly when I got access to the um, to the Spring Source at the time, um, Atlassian facilities. I'm like 99, so I'm still made it within 100. Um, so um, that was back in 2008. Um, a lot of things happened back then. We obviously at that time everybody did everything: engineering, mopping floors, making burgers, writing some code. Yeah. Uh, there was really no not great distinction, um, but eventually. Wear whatever hat you need to. Huh? Wear whatever hat you need to and, and more, right? Yeah. And then um, uh, most of us, uh, a lot of us actually did a lot of uh, training and consulting. Um, so that was fun. Uh, and then as things started to streamline, I started doing more and more engineering and eventually transferred to the full-time engineering with the Spring Integration, working with an amazing friend of ours, Mark Fisher. Yep. And, well, I, um, to this day for yep. and then I um, then I decided, you know what, this great technology, Hadoop, is going to take over the world. <laughs> well, it did for a bit. So I decided to uh, say, listen, I'm going to stay on the cutting edge. Well, that was a bit of a mistake. Um, thankfully, I realized that mistake just in time to rejoin Josh and the team. Yeah. <laughs> and right no. now... Uh, 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 project lead, tech lead for uh, Spring Cloud Function and Spring Cloud Stream projects of a stream, uh, Spring Cloud portfolio. Nice. Working with many amazing people, but most importantly, like the ones, the one relationship that I really cherish is to Dave Sire. Like I speak with him maybe five, six times a year. Yeah. But when I do, it's like deep and then it just disappears. And then something, something and then disappears, but something typically comes out of it. So. Yeah, it's we all have these. It's these Dave wonderful. Like, yeah, well, it's these wonderful like interactions that just I just I learn from everybody on the team, you know. And you, you and I, I I try not to bother you because I know you actually have a real job and all that. But every time we talk, I have fun and I learn something, uh, which is um, which is why I'm glad you're here. You mentioned uh, Fisher. Yeah, Fisher is uh, one of the big cheeses now. You know, one of the biggest of the cheeses. On our on our on our team, you know, yep, big uh, big amazing things. But he's also he's not perfect. He's not infallible. He uh, is the uh, idiot that hired me, right? So you know, I'll make mistakes. <laughs> I'll make mistakes. And, and me, uh, yeah, and you, yeah, exactly. Like this, <laughs> like uh, just a, just it's just a reminder. If you think you're, if you think you feel bad, just think speaking of big cheeses. Mark, yeah, being a big cheese still big reaches guy. out, reaches out. Like in fact, about a when we were in San Francisco, he reached out. Yeah, because uh, no, on the, not just to say hi, but right. on the technical side, like he right. still reaches out to us to uh, consult with us to get some help to exchange exchange ideas and so on. So he's still very much, in my opinion, part of the team. Of course, that's what I'm saying. He's one of our big cheese. Like if we are a stack of cheese, he's on the top. With the with one of the smelliest yeah. delicious the smell like blue cheese or something I don't know I love him uh, he he was so the reason you and I both know him is because you 
worked on a project called Spring Innovation, and I was external at the time, and I was contributing bugs uh, in, in, in record speed. You uh, made our life difficult. What? You oh, yeah, yeah. Difficult. Very, yeah, yeah. Because every time I would wake up, there was like a bunch of issues open from Josh, who doesn't really know how to use Spring Integration, so he just... Right. He really right. knew how to use Jira. Yeah, yeah, I was very good at Jira. Very good. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then you know, I, I'd send a buggy. So people don't remember, there's a time before GitHub. Um, and hey, us here. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, uh, yeah, there was a time before GitHub. And so I would send patches, right? Do you remember patches? Yep. Uh, so version uh, patches, yeah, yeah. yeah. So patches. And we, there was a time before that where we had CVS. Let's not even talk about that. We don't have to talk about no. it. It's fine. We're, we're in a safe space here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would send patches full of, just rife with bugs, just riddled uh, with bugs. And it was almost like a New York Times crossword puzzle for you, Oleg, where I would just send you a challenging piece of code that was just more broken than not. And could you turn it but, into something good? And yeah, you could most of the time. There is this silver lining there because if it wasn't for you, like working in open source, one of the problems working in open source is that we're kind of already, you know, we're open source remotely. We're kind of in the silos. We, you know, imagine our own requirements. We do things. And then someone like you come in who, right or wrong, I mean, you have a problem and you need more cowbell and, you know, <laughs> you want to provide it, right? So we needed to, um, we needed to, um, uh, to do something to um, address this issue or that issue. And eventually at the end, that made the framework better, not necessarily yeah. by addressing the issue, but actually thinking about your issue. A lot of the, a lot of issues were not addressed. Like they were closed. It's just, you don't know what you're talking about, but they made us think. Right. They made us think about like, why is he thinking? Why is he assuming that this is going to work this way? Because if you, a smart person, actually considering a smart person, think it's going to work this way, then maybe a thousand of other people will think the same way. Then maybe, maybe. we should address either through documentation or make code more readable or something along those lines. Something. It, it just worked out, I think. It was just a, it's a wonderful synergy. So that, that moment in time was, because uh, I remember the original cast. There was Mark Fisher, of course. So Spring Innovation was, what, 2007, right? Like, it's, a, it's an old project. People yeah, well, um, we're called old, but... Well, well, yeah, okay, yeah, old. In the, in the I, scope of, like, software and the, and the modern open source world, it's like half of the entire time of open source, right? When was the first big open source stuff happening? I guess the early 90s, right? Like, uh, No, I would say, you know, the, in terms of wide adoption, we're talking 2000. So, so, so yeah. even back then, we were still talking about, some people were questioning the open source model, if you remember. Yeah, of course. People were still oh. not sure that open source is the way to go. Um, you know. Well, do you remember the whole the whole uh, scandal around JBoss having? They wanted to get an open. They wanted to get certified as an application server, but it was open source, and they couldn't get certification kits and all that stuff. Remember that whole big statement? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was five years before all this. That was like two thousand three, I think, or something like that, right? It was huge, big thing. And then I'm there a proud was a JBoss certified consultant for certification. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. It was, it was, you know, I loved JBoss was a, an amazing op opportunity, uh, but it was all it was, they gave away the code, but they charged for the documentation, right? That was yeah. the uh, the whole thing, and I'll never. And people like you say that to somebody today in twenty twenty three, it's like what? Like there's, you know, it doesn't seem. But that's how we were all trying to figure out what open source looked like professionally, how you could make money on it and do it sustainably and still be open source. 
they did a great job. I mean, they were they they were they were they still they delivered something that is enduring, you know. And uh, so you, it's hard to, it's hard to discount that, you know. It is. But uh, so you and I were when we when you think about Spring Innovation coming around in two thousand and seven. Well, well, you know, if we're talking about like open source Java came out in two thousand. When was open source? When was Java open source? Was that after that? Like Java the language, right? Like that was after I think. After, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was definitely after. Yeah, exactly. Like this is not a, it's not 2007 is a, a huge amount of time. If we talk about like Linux came out in 1990, right? The first open source major open source thing that I think we can all point to. There's also there's some stuff from Ginyu, right? But but even if you just say like whatever, let's say 1990, what is that? 33 years, right? And Spring Innovation's been around for uh, since 2007. That's 16 years. Right? That's a long time. Long time. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's an old project. It's just a very good project, and it changes with the times. And the reason is because we got people like yourself and and me and now Artem and uh, Gary and uh, and Mark originally, you know, uh, and Ewain, right? I, Ewain yep. Ford, it was a, right? original team was Mark Ewain and uh, Marius. And Marius Bukovici, who was uh, who's yeah. now at our our friend over. Which with is the funny, Red since we brought Marius. Uh, when I came in, and if you remember, there was a bit of a, a it was right before you joined. There was, a, or maybe when, when you were already part of the spring, they did a little uh, house cleaning. It was pre-acquisition, and Marius yeah. was Marius left, mm. and I took over his spot in engineering. So I kind of this was my time move, to move to engineering. Well, ironically, when I rejoined the spring team in two thousand what uh, seventeen, oh. uh, here with Pivotal, Marius was leading Spring Cloud Stream. So he was back as well. And then he decided to go back to whatever he came from. Right. I got a phone call from <laughs> management if I would like to take the helm of Spring Cloud Stream. So I kind of like, like, you keep off it left over Marius twice. So, which was great. Yeah. Uh, but it was just like to me that those type of coincidences kind of like, I always start thinking, like, wow, something's going Well, it's a very small pool. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, di I didn't really. I mean, I, it makes sense you say that. I do remember all those dates. I just don't. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is the other. You're you have stayed more or less on the messaging and integration side of the house. I know in the spring team, nobody says no to pull requests. That good, <laughs> no matter where you submit, right? Like if you tomorrow decided to get deep into the soap stack or whatever, or or whatever, right? Like you could do whatever, but like I. But basically, we all kind of like there's certain bits of grass that we tend to that we graze on, right? Um, where we're happiest. And you, uh, because you, I think I think you like it, uh, have just stayed on the the messaging and integration. And uh, you know, if there's a broker in there, I think I can find your code somewhere around there. You know, um, right? Uh, um, I think the big part of it was actually working spring integration because uh, first of all working on the project itself and understanding the patterns, but also working with Mark and then obviously be exposed to the rest of the team and to the spring uh, mentality of writing code, thinking about the code, thinking about architecture and so on. Basically the, the clearest separation of concern, you know, that you could possibly achieve if, if right. you wish. And uh, to me, like the, the, you know, I keep attributing this phrase to Rod, Rod yeah. Johnson. I don't know if if it was actually him. So if, in case if he listens, don't you don't you know? But, might be a powerful, but somebody whatever. said, like let's just say Rod said that 
there's no such thing as a complex problem, that any complex problem is just an array of simple problems. And all you need to do is just break it into the simple problems and address them, address them uh, individually, and then just have a mechanism to reassemble it. And to me, like I said, I think he said it, because I remember that moment, like Eureka moment, like, I'm like, wow. It just, it's almost like my life changed in a way where, um, like this is like, for example, now going back to spring cloud function, like, yeah, write it, write something like, like I'll, right now I say, there's no requirement past, present or future that you cannot map to functions apply our consumer, right? So very simple interface given to you by Java, not even Spring, so nothing to do with Spring. You write your requirement using function, using any framework that you want. Yeah. Simplest possible way. We provide a way to say, listen, if you stay compliant with this interface, I know how to turn this invocation into as a message handler or rest right. endpoint or AWS Lambda or Azure function or whatever. So you never have to change your code. In fact, I always say, if you look at Spring Cloud Function application, you don't even know it's a Spring Cloud Function application. You only thing you know, the only thing you see on the screen on the code is that it is a Spring Boot app with a function being in it or function being right. in it. That is all, right? And unless you, until you look at the palm, you have no idea what it does or what it, how it's going to be executed. And so but that goes back to just finish. That goes okay. back to this whole problem of uh, address something simple and then move on to another problem. So first, find a way to encapsulate your business logic. Then find a way to turn this 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 into a message handler or a rest yeah. or something else, and and so on and so forth. Yeah, I love it. I mean, so is this an example of? Um... I mean, I, th I think about spring integration a lot, right? Obviously, yeah. spring integration, you have channels, you have these components that sit at the yeah. end of them. Um, and the benefit consumer was never knew about, about yeah. one another. You, yeah. you, you already had kind of a functional pipeline, right? Um, of course, definitely. And, now, and then at some point, I think it became very useful to just do a chained pipeline, right? Like in spring integration, you can have a chain. Of yeah, of like, course you said this is exactly, exactly the, the point. Take address some of the simple problems, but if you don't, if you want to skip the channel and message regeneration, because this chain uh, represents a flow that is relatively static, put and it in the chain. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be all by reference, no more like message passing. But the way you wrote it, it is message passing. It is immutable. It is everything else. But you just assembled it into it's. And right now, the equivalent of that, guess what? Function composition. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So now we can say, listen. I don't want to write a big complex function. I want to break down. So I want to do this. Then I want to do this. Then I want to do this. Then I want to do this. I want to draw it in the paper. And I say, okay, I'm going to implement A, B, C, and D. And then I'm just going to say function A and then function B and then function C. And of course, a sprinkler function, we provide a simpler mechanism to do that. But the result is the same. The result right. is you have a single function that does all this great stuff, is extremely complex, but it only complex is during the assembly. You never see the complexity. And the, and the assembly these days, it used to be you would have a at enable binding and you'd get a channel and you'd, you'd write code in terms of that channel. Now it's just literally you just write properties. It's just Spring Boot properties that so, describe so, the binders and the, the flow, the message composition, right? As you probably know, I am not a huge fan of annotation. Never have been. Yeah. Uh, for the, especially for the runtime. For, you know, for annotating something that is deprecated or whatever, that's fine. Yeah. But for the runtime, the reason being is that, especially again, after spring integration, or during spring integration, we were so, again, separation of concerns. I was so happy to, you know, project from the stage during a conferences, 
including with you several yeah. times, uh, that here's the separation of customers, here's the code, here's the configuration, that goes back to XML days, which for Spring integration, I actually loved. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it made it very explicit. The point is that, like in Spring Cloud Stream, when I took over from Marius, I mean, I mean, we have Stream Listener, we have all this send to receive. I'm like, man, 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 this is not really good because you wrote really streaming application and anything you want to do, and also the, the channel, like as much as I love channels, you know that. Right. The, this was the higher level abstraction. So why is it still channel aware? Right. It shouldn't be. That's internal implementation. So, yeah. so this is where, and then this is where kind of Spring Cloud function came in. This is where Dave Sayer decided to do what Dave Sayer does, just ship off another project to somebody else. I, I ended up to be the lucky one. And uh, I got Spring Cloud function from him. And I'm like, wait a second. Now that makes sense. If, if I use Spring Cloud function as a programming model, I mean, everything becomes just a configuration. So... A little bit of a convention, embrace Spring Boot, and bam, we got a Spring Boot app, some dependency in the pump file. All of a sudden, you have a function that is a resting point. Done. Right. And you have not yeah. a single configuration. No config. It's it's because Spring Boot is pretty great at giving the framework developer cues without yeah. even requiring annotations a lot of times. You can just define well, a bean of, of understood type. And I actually problems. had this discussion, like this whole concept of remember how like Spring Boot, early, early Spring Boot, I mean, some framework still uses that enable this i'm like wait a second you already put dependency on a class path yeah you already express intention that you want to use it why are you enabling it right so i we had we had an enable function something that i removed eventually i just have to be very careful because it was the authors were both fisher and sire but <laughs> there was an enable some kind of enable uh i forget already um right. uh, sprinkle function so i removed it i'm like no you already express intention if anything right. they, like disable that would make more sense right 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 opt out not opt in right yeah and we just had this whole thing with the enable batch processing right they they flipped it so you have to opt in like if you want to override yeah. the default behavior then you say at enable batch processing but the problem is we had that there for so long that now in order the default behavior used to be you have to have at enable batch processing otherwise the spring boot starter didn't work so it's the only thing i can think of where you have to opt in both in the dependency and the annotation now in 3.0, Spring Boot 3 and Batch 5, they just flipped it. So now if you have that, you're disabling the default starter, but it means that everything you did before broke. So like, but that's the pain you just described, M moving people away. Well, at least with Spring Function being a relatively new project, I didn't have to deal with the pain of backwards compatibility because at the time when I removed it, we so, didn't have a huge user base. Right, yeah, which is good. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's so painful. But the re it's actually better for the for everybody to, to move away from this stuff to, to undo these these extra this extra ceremony because you're right spring boot your intent is clear i added the starter for spring cloud function i want that if i didn't i wouldn't add it to my class path right it's a, right it's a it's a big commitment to add in something fact, it also it also enforces uh in my opinion a clean programming because how often we developers look at the pump file if everything works right yeah. right if it works it's just there right or greedle so it's only when things break, we're like, oh. So now I can have like five, six dependencies there that makes no sense to be there in the first place. And I've, you know, back in the old spring days, oh, I've seen many palm files that has like, like, what is this doing there? Like, oh, we used it three years ago. I'm like, well. Get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and in fact, we were like. That's a good point. Thing, like spring context version 2.0 and then spring core version 1.0. It was a lot of weird stuff that we saw. That's why I love these the starter and the dependency management, the starters. It's yeah. it's it seems so obvious now, but like 
to write code against any framework, Spring included, uh, before Spring Boot was a, <coughs> hey, assembling your dependencies. Everybody had their own, like, I know these dependencies work well together. I've got a, to a notepad text file somewhere that I copy and paste this from, and it's my blessed set of dependencies. And if anybody changes even one thing, the whole house of cards implodes, you know? Whole right. house of cards. Like, but now it's just like, well, just bring in a starter. That is my intention. It is my, um, uh, yeah, that was, that's amazing. It's amazing that, uh, that that's dependency management mechanism. So, okay, let's talk about that though. So Spring Cloud Function, you got that from, I, yeah, I forgot about that. It, yeah, it was Dr. Sire's original rough, uh, and then you polished it off to become a Many dynamic. other things, like pretty much every other thing. Well, a lot of things, yeah. Uh, he's another one of the big cheeses, obviously. Um, uh, so, so Spring Cloud Function, you have this nice functional component model. I don't think that, so what you did is the cleanest way to do it, but I don't think people are 100% uh, on the same page yet. I don't think, I think getting people to talk about function, you know how with Spring, we had to teach people about dependency injection in the very beginning. Like it wasn't just, here's the application context, here's the bean okay. factory, it was here's dependency injection. You need to appreciate why that's useful before this makes sense. And so- right. uh, same thing right now. I think right now you and I and the, and the gang are, are are fighting an uphill battle, teaching people about how to think functionally, how to think about messaging and events, and uh, you know. Right. Like, and speaking of function, I mean, I has, had an interesting discussion with Mark uh, when I rejoined Spring, uh, when I actually took over Spring Cloud Function, was when I was still interacting with Mark sort of daily. Yeah. Uh, I said, you know what? Like, going back to Spring integration, I wish, like, I honestly wish, Java developers. Java guys right. thought of function supplier and consumer and basically Java utility function package right, right from the beginning. Because had they done that, so many APIs would have been much, much, much simpler. And because right. of that, so there are so many um, frameworks and integration frameworks would have been much more concise. Because, for example, the message handler, right? The, 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 the one of the core interfaces of Spring Cloud, uh, Spring integration, right? Yeah. Which is what? It's a consumer, right? Yeah, so consumer. it's a glorified consumer because it's a it's a something that receives a, a, an input and produces no output, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's a consumer. Now, if message handler was message handler extends consumer, what does it mean? What does it mean to me? To me, it means that if I want to operate at the level of message handler from Spring integration. Then I'm going to do all my casting and everything else at the level of message handler and say, if it's not an instance of message handler, I'm not going to deal with it. Right. But if I'm creating a framework that is ready to invoke anything that is a consumer, that is capable of dealing with anything that's consumer, then I'm going to lower my standards and say, listen, if you're a consumer, I'll deal with you. Same right. goes for function, same goes for supplier. So all of a sudden, um, it basically creates this vocabulary because not only it creates what I just, what, what I just said, it also says, okay, well, if I talk to you in terms of function, remember how like we embraced the enterprise integration patterns? We yeah. said it, was, it was a vocabulary because I don't have to explain you what the filter is. I assume you know what it is. So all I need to do is just, oh, we're going to put a filter here and you know exactly, or router, you know exactly what the outcome of that's going to be. The same right. thing here. Oh, Josh, I'm going to use a function. So you know it's going to be input and it's going to be produce something. Or it's going to be a consumer, which means nothing's going to be produced, you know, and so on. Yeah, I mean... That's a good point. Does message so message handler does that take a payload and the headers or does it just take a message? It takes it takes a message. So within within the course of integration, it takes a message. Yeah. And when I say it doesn't produce anything, it's not necessarily true because 
It's the function then. It, 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 the, 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 it, it simply means that the function doesn't return anything to the caller, but it right. can still send the message internally. And that's exactly sure. how integration works. So if you right. remember the abstract message handler that would yeah. send the message to the next channel and so on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I, I wonder about that. Like, I wonder if we could. So that means we create a chain. Yeah. Yeah, but if we did that, that means that everything that is a message handler right now in Spring Location, which there's a ton of, right? There's probably yeah. hundreds yeah. of them. Uh, that would also be usable from Spring Cloud Function. Well, thankfully, it is because we support Poja functions. So, in other words, the duct typing it works yeah. in Spring Cloud Function. Nice. So, if it walks, quacks, smells, and poops like a duck, it's probably because, oh, because it's got oh, right, okay. So, you're using a what are they? What do they used to call it? Single abstract method. Yeah, function. functional interface. You know, like if it if it basically yeah, if it's a if it if it if it's single method, single public method, and it fits into the category of supplier function, consumer will support yeah. it. We we support it. It's a yeah. But I'm saying we, I had to do something for it. And right, of course, right. a few hiccups possible here and there. Right. Had it been a function supplier or consumer, I wouldn't have to do anything. Well, I mean, to be fair, Spring Negation predates Java 8 by like a decade. But but yeah. Like, uh, right. And I'm saying that this is, this is, as a Java developer, this is one of right. my sort of regrets that I'm like, oh, I mean, I wish I thought of that. That's one thing that everything else, you know, generics and other things, like, eh, it's fine. They came in due time, but that should have been right. too. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we could go back and rewrite rewrite the world. Do you, do you remember, I was I actually had a um, Mario Fusco on the uh, show uh, over the holiday, I think, right? beginning of January or something like that, right? Uh, he's a Italian Java champion, and he was working on Lambda, like Project Lambda, the original effort. You know, this, this, you might remember this, the effort to bring Lambdas to the JVM was like a decade long. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yes. so we finally got it in Java 8, and it's fine. Like, whatever, it's fine. It works, okay, I'm not, nobody's like, nobody's, uh, nobody's going to sit there and say it's the same as like a, like. Like a Scala, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or Scala, yeah, or whatever. Uh, oh, by the way, we should talk about that, too. <laughs> Forgot about that. Uh, Spring right. Scala. Yeah, but but no, but nobody's gonna sit here and say it's the same as those. But it does work, and it does open up a world of new possibilities, amazing possibilities for the JVM developer. And I think now, you know, that work, that decade of thoughtfulness and care, and and you know, it, it paid off. It paid dividends, right? The, these people that worked on it for so long to bring JVM lambdas to the JVM, uh, that it has paid off. And now we have this whole ecosystem of opportunity, you know. And I think one of the first things to th take advantage of that was, of course, uh, Spring Cloud Function, right? Um, but I also think it kind of landed right at the same time as a discussion around serverless, right? And serverless, yeah. I don't remember when Lambda hit, uh, but when did AWS Lambda come out or whatever? I'm going to Google it right now because uh, November I, uh, I using JetGPT. I started using it this morning. It's such an amazing thing. Oh, so good. It's dangerous, though, because you, yeah. you get that you have a brain. And I, I don't have much of one anyway, so I cannot afford to let it fall into disuse. Actually, did it. I told you, who is and put my name in there, and it just gave me like the whole resume of myself. I'm like, oh my right. god! Oh no! Oh no! Uh, 2014. That's the same year yeah. as Java 8 came out. Yeah. Same year. So 2014 Lambda, and then it coincides with this. Uh, hello, Simon. Hello. Um, I forgot to. I don't know if I said hello to everybody who's joining the chat and whatever. Hello from all around the world. We're just if you're joining us now, we've got. Uh, 
Oleg Zurakuski. You say with a ZH, right? Zurakuski? Oleg Z is fine, yeah. Zurakuski. I've always called you just Zurakuski because I'm an idiot. But apparently that's the wrong way to do it. So, yeah, if you're joining us, you're joining Oleg today. He's a, well, he. He calls himself the function dude, which makes sense. He's the lead of Spring Cloud Function. Like it's a pawn on Jeremy Grayley, if you remember. Web dude, exactly. Web dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I just I remember he used to call himself the web dude, and that was Yeah. It was uh, such a uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. so yeah, you're uh, that 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 use case is everywhere now, serverless, right? And so serverless, I think, is Another example of where the world needs to start thinking, it's not just Java, right? It's every other language. They just really haven't started to think about if I have one function, if I want to compose the world, if I want to build the world one function at a time, what do I put there? And it's sort of like, well, you've got your solid for Java apps, you know, your solid principles. What's the solid for functions, right? Like how that kind of overlaps. But what is, when you start to build a, a, a function and you want to solve a problem, and you're going to do it with Lambda. You say, okay, I've got this Lambda stack. Uh, I've got serverless. I've got a function as a service stack of some sort. What are the use cases that people should reach for or think about and reach for that technology in particular and then not think about it? Uh, what, are the, what are the good use cases and what are the bad ones? Well, use cases are many. I mean, I, I, it's really more not about the use case per se. It's about the type of use case where you have a single task which kind of completes like uh, uh, stateless, preferably, because right. every time you have a state, you're inviting tons of trouble. Uh, but um, so it's something that is that that you know, like you just ask Siri, when is the and it completed, right? So done. Right. So and if all of a sudden there's a menu request, I mean, you want to scale up, scale down. So these are the type of use cases that are good for. Uh, this type of thing, because now you just think about what, what what the proposition here is. You write a functional code, you write a function, you just package it and you just throw it out there in AWS or Azure or whatever. You don't have to think about the deployment platform. You don't have to think about any of the stuff that we had to think as oh, more developers or Java. No, none of that. Like all this, all this configuration files, all this, you know, proper mappings and anything. None of that. You. Um, you just throw it out there and it's there. And if nobody's using it, eventually it will die, right? But because you're not getting bills, you know, not, nobody's charging any money for that, like no hosting company or anything like that. Then all of a sudden the request comes in and the only problem you have to deal with at that point of time is hot and cold starts, right? So which is already being solved and we can probably talk about this with both Spring Native and Snapstar, Project Crack, which is like, I always crack a smile when I hear that. <laughs> I'm like, whoever come up with that acronym? We're, we're, we're not a speaking person. <laughs> for those of you joining the the the, the show right now, uh, Oleg and I are 12. We're just 12. We haven't we haven't matured at all, uh, and so that is a funny joke for us. The rest of you can feel free not to giggle if you don't want to. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, but you're right. Project Crack is hot sauce. I. Uh, like two, I mean, I love GraalVM, obviously. I spend all my time talking about it. But if you if you really care about startup time, and there are very few use cases in which I think you should, like it shouldn't be a, a paramount concern, except when you're doing, like serverless is the obvious one true right. use case, you know? And, but if you really care about startup time, maybe GraalVM isn't the best way forward. It's an amazing way forward, and we'll talk about that in a second, but. And it's still not, it, so it is, I mean, there is 
plus and minuses of either approach, right? So yeah. your footprint is much smaller with the GraalVM, but I mean, getting to that point will require you to, you know, the compilation build and everything else, right? But um, but also two the startup is much faster, oh. guaranteed. But with Crack, it's oh, almost yeah. a, did it ever shut down? Crack is so fast, it doesn't matter. Like, I saw a demo with a Spring Boot app, not Spring Cloud Function, like an actual honest-to-goodness Spring Boot app with, you know, some stuff on the class path. Uh, and Spring, Spring Cloud Function is Spring Boot, but I'm just saying you would be incentivized to pare it down there, whereas a Spring Cloud, with Spring Boot, you're just like, I can do whatever. I saw an app start up in two, not 20, not 200, two milliseconds on Crack. Right. I, on GraalVM, I'm like, you know, I'm looking if I get On eight. Crack. Yeah, on Crack. Yeah, no, Crack is amazing, right? What is it? Uh, coordinated checkpoint restore, right? See, yeah. uh, checkpoint, coordinated restore and checkpoint? No, coordinated crack. I don't know, whatever. It's one of those things where it's a, it was originally proffered by uh, Azul Systems and uh, it only works on Linux and you have to do some goofy things with the uh, Linux permissions and whatever. But if you do all those things in the right order and use the right magic incantation, you can get a JVM application that starts up in literally faster than the, 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 the neurons in your brain will fire Right. To recognize the single signal that something is happening. Right. And that's the important part. So basically it's a coordinated restore checkpoint. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, but basically that so going back to your original question about the use cases. So you think about uh, um, uh, not necessarily because when we talk about sprinkler function, for example, I, I say I really when I do my, my examples, I really say, listen, I do uppercase or lowercase or some kind of a trivial code. I said, because I really don't care what's inside the function itself. Right. It's irrelevant. You have thousand lines of code or one line of code. It absolutely makes absolutely no difference to me. It's the signature important. You know what what it, what it looks like. So, so but how do I want this function to live? Like, is it something that goes in and out? Right. This something to forget. Right. Is it going to be um, used uh, by a lot of people? There's going to be spikes. There's going to be this type of things. So all of a sudden, I'm like, well, this is the and do I really want to care about or worry about how I'm going to package it, deploy it, and everything else? If the answer to this question is obviously yes and no, no, then yeah, this is your um, perfect use case for um, Lambda style architecture. And here's the interesting thing. I hope I'm not really jumping into this too early. <laughs> what I have been talking to, I'm going to skip with the names, but some of our engineers uh, that um, were basically saying, listen, what about um, so sprinkler function? relatively new model. So, and again, we're talking about Greenfield development. So you were talking about the adaption and everything else. So yeah, if you're writing something new, fine, go ahead, write a function. We'll do whatever you want with it. But we have tens of thousands of REST apps out there, controllers. I mm -hmm. mean, you or people know how many controllers are out there in the world. Oh yeah, innumerable. Yeah. Yeah. So how, like, so the, the question was, can we deploy a controller as a Lambda? Huh. And uh, because the proposition is the same, if I can do that, then at some point of time, if nobody's using it, that controller will die until somebody hits it again and it will uh, resurrect itself, right? So, and first of all, the answer is, yes, it's doable. At the beginning, it didn't make much sense to me, like why and how, but then I'm like, wait a second. <coughs> there is a, what is a, what is a uh, Lambda? Lambda is just a piece of code. If I can, have access to the Spring Boot app that represents the RESTful application and invoke it within that function, then basically like, you know, like typical function exposed via API gateway in AWS or uh, HTTP trigger on Azure, right? I can effectively forward my request 
to that web app that I deployed as part of my function, right? And to do it not over the network, to do it by interacting with a, one of the historical components of Spring, dispatcher circuit, directly. Right. We, already, we already do it in a mock MVC. You all people know that very well. Right. So, so, um, so yeah, there's a, um, interesting things happening on that front and hopefully will be coming out publicly soon. I would love to see it. So this is one of those. So I can you, show it to you. I can show it to you like after screen. Yeah. Monday. Yeah. Well, um, oh, wow. Is, so is the idea that you have like multiple methods and you could deploy each one of them as a function or? I'll, I'll show you the pet store. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Wow. To talk about reuse of value. Now I can connect. Because again, rest yeah, is great. Yeah, that's exactly use of value. That's a good point. Right. But rest is great. But you know what? Me, because I'm lazy, and also I have a little experience that I learned from people like you, I've learned that whenever I can, I'm going to put a broker in front of my my endpoint, right? If I can avoid rest and avoid having to, because I feel like all sophisticated rest APIs end up being at some point a half built, lazily implemented version of a message queue. They have to be to be available. And why? Just skip that. Just go straight to the message queue, you know, add the, add the messaging layer there. And if, when I say messaging, I'm talking about that substrate that allows you to take delivery of a message, make sure that it gets re-delivered, all that kind of stuff, whether that's Lambda or Azure Functions or Kafka or RabbitMQ, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? That's well, you're really just giving you the idea because now, because I'm doing this indirect receiving request and forwarding it to another sort of endpoint, right. I can now think about, like, again, this is like for, for listeners, this is how some of the ideas come out in spring, just for conversations like this. Right. Um, unfortunately, it's spilled out in the public now that if you put a broker in between, that just means that the application on the receiving end could actually be down for maintenance while I'm yeah. still receiving messages in yep. and I can distribute them later when the application goes back up, which is effectively a Spring Cloud Stream model. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing, right? Like that, and you get that, you get that, if you can, if you can do that for me by just taking my controller and automatically making it a function. Man, oh, I can, like I said, I can literally, um, wow. I can do it like you, you can, like after this, I can show it to you. I even have okay. the you know, deploy script. Yeah. Sir, you're amazing. Um, one of the things I asked you about recently, I know you've, so the problem with, the problem I have, my friend, is that when I, when I talk to you, I know that you're doing nice things for lots of other people. So I don't like to bother you too much because, uh, you know, life is short and you can only do so many miracles per day. But I asked you for, uh, uh, I was just wondering, like, because I, you know, my brain, it's not so good. Yeah. So I asked you for some help the other week uh, or a minute or a year or whatever. It's, I don't know, a minute, like a while ago. And uh, I was looking for a. Years ago, yeah. Yeah, GrowVM. Yeah, I did it. Did I? Yeah, I know. And, uh, and it was awesome. And so. Okay. I was I like. Want, okay. I'm going to find it. But can you tell us, like, so you talked about, well, actually, before we go on to that, can you tell people broadly, Spring Cloud Function. How does it work with something like Lambda? What is the, what is, how do I develop it, right? So again, develop it as a developer. Unfortunately, as a developer, you never see Spring Cloud function. As a person who writes code, you never see Spring Cloud function. Even if you writing a Spring Cloud function code, you never see Spring Cloud function because the frameworks with, with Spring Boot, our frameworks have changed. Right? A lot because they're they're really um, enablement framework, so to speak. So I'm going to basically put something in the class path, 
And that something is no longer just a jar file as a library. It's auto configuration that's going to do something and is going to expect something from me. And the expectation in Spring is always the same. I'm going to have certain beans out there that I'm going to be looking for. And if you provide me with those beans, I'll do whatever I need to do if you brought me in, right? If you brought somebody else, they will do whatever they want with those beans, right? So in other words, the same beans becoming either message handler or resting point or Lambda or whatever. So to your question, you write, you'll say your uppercase function, which is, you know, very simple, that we always do. And what happens is uh, you add a few dependencies on the class path. Right. One of them is Spring Cloud function adapter AWS. And, and then you just, uh, so there's, there's about five or six samples for AWS. And um, you just add, um, you just uh, run maybe right. and install and, uh, and you deploy it. And right now I'm going to uh, add the SAM script um, serverless application model, which is basically, uh, you know, you can do it manually by through the, through the AWS dashboard, or you can right. do it in, uh, by executing a script, which, which basically like SAM build, SAM deploy, guided, done. All of a sudden, yeah. you have uh, a function with an AWA API gateway and whatever. And identical thing is for for Azure. In fact, my colleague and help and, and my and and a friend and a person who helped me right now with Azure stuff, Christian Solov, just published a oh. blog like really a few hours ago. There's some cool stuff, some new cool stuff that him and Julian and the team in, at Microsoft came up with, um, you know, so, uh, and with Azure. So in other words, now, like we always were sort of like a, um, had a little sort of a friction, like I said, AWS programming model because it's based on configuration became cleaner than Azure. But now it's like, you know, getting very interesting with Azure. So um, um, yeah, but basically going back to the question, you just write a function and then you add dependencies and you package it and you deploy it. And the packaging yeah. is, I, I think actually programming wise, it couldn't get simpler from, from no, the- No, because it, it's, it's a plugin. So you still run, you say maybe clean install, maybe clean package, that's yeah. it. So you, like I said, it, it's like sometimes- It's the packaging, that's hard. Yeah. Well, yes. it's creating that uh, the pump file, but you don't have to create it because in, we don't create stuff no more. We just copy stuff from- Stack Overflow. From, from other people who already went through the pain. I'm not going to repeat that, right? Right. So, or chat GBT now, you know, just... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, this morning, I, I was messing around, and I wrote the deliberately wrong code, like, lowercase string, that value of all lowercase, and I put one, two, three. I said, what is wrong with this code? And it tell me exactly what's wrong with that code to the point of not putting a semicolon at the end. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And you can ask it to do like silly things. Like you can say, okay, render a flower using d3.js. And it's like, it'll do it. It'll actually give you a script. It's crazy. I'm it the Turing test seems very quaint now, right? I think we should actually have a like are you human test? You know, that's a much more interesting one now because we know the computers can pretend to be human, right? They well, that's not even a question word. It's the question is can the human be almost as smart as a computer still, right? I don't know. I'm starting to wonder. Um, my friend, okay, so we talked about, we've got people, the, the chat's popping off. We've got a lot of people talking about uh, functions, and um, uh, and our friend Deshaun even said he's got an example uh, showing how to do a Spring Cloud function on uh, Azure as well. Um, there are some different runtimes, right? There's a, We talked about Lambda. That's, I think, the 
800 pound gorilla these days. Um, there's other functions. Google has one. Um, I confess I've never used it. I'm sure it's fine. Is, is that supported with Spring Cloud function? Yeah, so basically with Google, we have a different arrangement. So uh, the guys reached out to me. Uh, they, I don't write, uh, nobody, we distribute their code. It's part of our release schedule, but we don't, like aside of like some minor check style things or some minor polish and fixes and dependency upgrades, uh, Google team contributes to uh, uh, Google uh, function. Right. Uh, so basically we got community involved, but uh, yeah. That's amazing. What other supported? So I know you can use Spring Cloud function with Spring Cloud Stream, and Spring Cloud Stream gives you Google Cloud PubSub. It gives places you like this. I would say that Spring Cloud function is the programming model right. for Spring Cloud Stream. Right. But um, uh, but what I'm saying is that gives you a whole world of stuff right there. You get Kafka, Google Cloud PubSub, Azure Service Bus, uh, RabbitMQ, Solus. Kinesis maybe. Right. Kinesis, Solus, Pulsar. Uh, Pulsar. Yeah. Yeah. So that's already... and, uh, Chris Bono. They're yeah. about to um, unveil the, uh, the binder. Nice. Pulsar. Okay. Uh, so we got all that stuff. That's just Spring Cloud Stream. And then Spring Cloud Function gives you even more opportunities. That gives you, like I said, AWS. It gives you Azure. It gives you Google. Anything else I'm missing? Like, it's yeah, so um, uh, gRPC, raw socket, uh, uh, web. Um, so it's just uh, whatever people ask, we we do, we deliver. Because what I mean, if you think about it, in retrospect, if we were to go back, there would be one project called Sprinkler Function, and binders would effectively be just adapters, like 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 because that's exactly what it is. But because Sprinkler Stream was came before um, function. Yeah. function, it would be right now uh, quite an effort to restructure, refactor it in such a way. But from the architectural standpoint, RabbitBinder, SolusBinder, AWS Adapter, or Azure Adapter are just adapters. They're right. all adapters. Right. And underneath underlying programming model is, Sprinkler, is function. And that's right. what Sprinkler function does. It's amazing. Allowing you to plug in various different, I call it invocation models. So if you go back to the whole, you know, like Java, write once, write anywhere, or right. write once, run anywhere. I actually like, you know, like a couple of talks that I did a couple of years ago were like, write once, execute anywhere, because that's right. really, you know. I love it. And I and that means that if today I want to use RabbitMQ, I can. And then tomorrow if I decide to use Azure Functions, I can. It's the same code, same function. Right. right? And what's interesting is like, for example, if you, uh, I mean, obviously, you uh, you familiar you you know Julian and the, you know you know some of the AWS guys. So of course, Microsoft and AWS they created their own interfaces like Request Stream Handler and AWS and yeah. And Microsoft, you basically just a proliferation of all these annotations, right? So right. <coughs> hey, sorry, I'm still battling like coming out of my little uh, cold. Um, oh dear, feel better. So um, and uh, the problem was that okay, there are very simple interfaces, you know. No big deal, right? To implement them, but it also means you had to have it on the class path. You had to know about them. You have to know how to implement them. You have to do tab conversion. You have to do all kinds of different things. So, by implementing it just pure function, first of all, you don't even have to know that your function will become a lambda at some point of time, and will so, be running on Azure or AWS. In fact, you may never know. Right. Somebody else will take your code and will deploy it 
as AWS Lambda will we'll know that, but you won't. But right. the thing is that what you will in, end up enjoying is that type conversion, function composition, error right. handling, and uh, tracing, I mean, you name it. So all these things are inside a Spring Cloud function. So if you remember, a lot of it was in Spring Cloud Stream. So over the years, as we start plugging in Spring Cloud function as a programming model, we start moving that down the stack. So Spring Cloud Stream today, if you ask me what it is, I say it's a binding framework. That's all it is. Right. Yeah. None of the heavy stuff is happening there. Right. It's a glorified wrappers over inbound, outbound channel adapters from Spring integration. Thank right. you very much. Right. Yeah. And then all they do is just delegate the function because then, oh, it's not the right type. Let me convert it for you. Oh, there's right. error happen. Let me fix it for you. You know. It's that's I love. I love that you can you we we're building on layers of like yes. solid yes. stuff here, right? And we get up the abstraction stack. But at the end of the day, what that means, because Spring is a dependency inj injection framework, and because it's just about helping you have clean, well-understood seams in the um, uh, in the abstraction, because that's just uh, dependency injection, you can still work at lower levels if you need to, but it, as you want to move up higher, you get more and more benefits, and you can throw away more and more code, right? I mean, it's like we say, like, uh, I'm wearing a developer hat. Yes, of course, we often wear multiple hats, right? But it allows me, this type of architecture allows me to say, okay, for the next three hours, I'm going to be just a hardcore Java developer. I don't care about anything else, right? Then I'm going to swap the head. I'm going to say, now I'm going to become an ops guy, and I'm going to wrap it into uh, a Lambda, this thing, and whatever, and deploy it there, right? So we often do that, especially in the open source. But when it comes to enterprise teams, like I think about value proposition, if you are the um, CIO of some insurance company, because right. I always say, you know what? I work for an engineering company, I work, work, work for a computer company, which means I'm actually just like yourself and many other, uh, are, like we're, we're actually uh, assets. Yeah. When it comes to, like, this is like very sort of sensitive thing to say, but right. if you work for an insurance company or a bank or whatever, you're kind of like a liability because they're not in the business of producing software. No, but they need you, right? So, but they can save some money by saying, listen, I'm going to you know, possibly hire some junior developers because they don't need to know AWS. They don't need to know Azure. They don't need to know a lot of these other things, even Spring. They can just write a function. Right, exactly. And then... They're, you know, they're immune to uh, the, but, the, the but infrastructure. Sensitivity aside, I think it's... The, 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 the stronger point here is the clear separation of who you are, what you are, what you are right now, what you are going to what you're going to be in the next two hours and so on and so forth in, in this um, flow of things that you're doing as a developer. Right. It's even possible. So, oh, okay, wait. Somebody said, this is great too. Immune to infrastructure, I like that. Sorry, I love it. It's I, I like the last phrase, sorry. Immune oh, to infrastructure. Yeah. Right. It's even possible to deploy a standard application as a function simply by adding a handler entry point. That's true. Yeah, you can take a regular Spring Boot app and add a Spring Cloud function beam to it. You, yeah. you drag that's, it along with the app. That's kind of what uh, what 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 I was talking earlier about rest endpoints as lambda. That's right. That the general premise is what the, was in that one sentence. So. Right. It's amazing. Like I. Uh, well, let's hire um, that guy. And I, you know, I've been uh, so I, I kind of think about this a lot because it's not it's. Um, why do we do why do we do messaging, right? Why not just do everything in the same code base? And there's a few obvious reasons, right? And I, when I say messaging, again, that's just code for Josh's way of thinking about 
moving work out of the hot path to something. I that have a better option by messaging. Why? I, first of all, why not? Because you think, if you think yeah. about it, I mean, you're what, 40-something, I'm 54, right? So we've been around for only a little bit of time in, 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 in the entire humanity, right? But right. The, I always say the concept of, I always like to try, draw analogy to something that is real, that's existed for much, much longer than us. Right. And the concept of a male, wow. right? The yeah, yeah. Of a message, right? It existed since God knows how long, right? Even with the pigeons and other things. <laughs> And what's interesting, if you think about what has always been there besides the message, it was wrapped in some kind of envelope, even if it was folded in itself, there was some metadata written on it saying it's addressed to Josh Long, right. but the payload was always secured. Right, in an envelope. So this concept existed for thousands of years. Yeah. And humanity had millions of chances to improve it. And they improved some parts of it, but the core of it Right. Message that payload and Harris remains. So why do you want to go coarse grain? Why do you want to swim? You know. Well, sure. I I guess what I was trying to say I was differentiating. Well, that's it's a natural way of communicating because I can convey everything that I need via message. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah, I was. That's the answer. I was. Uh, what I was trying to say was the I differentiated from the, for example, uh, like RPC, or and I differentiated from. Like, why bother teasing things apart at all when you could just put everything in one giant mega code base? And, uh, and so the reason I use messaging or eventing or function, whatever, when the reason I send work from my node to another node, there's a lot of reasons. First of all, better reuse. I can have single things isolated and I can uh, add to it without changing my code. Second right. of all, scalability. I can scale that thing out as I need to separate from the use case or from the scale of my application, my workload. Third, I get uh, asynchronicity and buffering and all that stuff. So I can make sure that that thing is able to respond to requests from multiple services at the same time, whether my service is up or down, right? Uh, there's lots of reasons to think about like, why would I take code here? And, and especially if you're doing like a web app or whatever in, in spring, you don't want to do long running things in the middle of a web hot path. It's much better to think about it. Okay, I'm going to send this work over there. It'll happen on another node. When it's done, I'll get a notification. I'll tell the user, but the hot the web request thread pool yeah. isn't being starved in the meantime. You know. Remember this uh, that ten years ago, twelve years ago, that new thing that we all talk about, like this distributed computing. <laughs> yeah, and grids. Remember we had that. So grid? it's not new anymore, right? No. So, so, so expecting that your code is going to like we're going back to the question by reference and everything else. Expecting that your code is going to like. So you look at the computing. Not necessarily as a computer, like it's a computer grid, right? So you, you uh -huh. should always assume that it's just out there, like in the cloud, and sometimes it's going to execute local, sometimes it's going to get passed on. So, and if you don't have architecture that supports that paradigm, right? Sooner or later, you're going to hit the wall. So, message, it's kind of a safe bet. At yeah. some point, if unless you really know exactly, sure, if you're writing some kind of a you know on a Raspberry Pi, some kind of limited, right memory limited uh, processing power, but you working on some really, you know, like a sensory functionality that does very little thing. Sure, write it in the most optimal way because you only going to live there. But if you writing an enterprise app and, you know, the overkill of doing a message, which is I don't even consider it an overkill, but if you do, right. then I say that's the price that I'm willing to pay. Right. 100%. Now, okay, before we uh, last question, 
we talked about how you get this nice portability by writing code in terms of Spring Cloud function. Are you sacrificing specific features of the underlying technologies in this case as well? Like, for example, um, if I want to get access to particular headers from Kafka or from Lambda, are those still there? Or like, or is it just a generic thing that is completely ignorant in of the fact, end? This is how we determine where the message came from. Right. Okay. Like for for example, for example, for cloud events, that's another thing we support, right? So this is yeah. how I know because I need to cloud events somehow decided that uh, headers for different protocols should have different prefixes. Beats the hell out of me, but it is what it is. Um, so, but that's how I decide whether the message came from Rabbit or Kafka because I need to append different prefix for uh, cloud event attributes. Right. So that goes back to the question. So yes. Even that deep down in the developer code, if I receive a message and say, oh, that came from Kafka, or that came from REST because I see HTTP headers, or that came from, I have everything. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, so I'm not sacrificing anything. In fact, I'm gaining because now you don't have to think, oh, shit. Like, remember the databases, schema first, and I'm like, oh, I wish I thought about this and added another column because now I cannot. It's like a big deal, right? Well, right. and then the Hadoop thing, you know, like, oh, just dump everything, we'll sort it out later. You're, right? you're so it's like yeah. The other extreme, right? But the message says, listen, I have object and map. And you can load that map as much as you want. Yeah. You never have to change the structure of the object itself. Right. And, it has to be and what I was when I was kind of getting at was also if you want to configure things like the connection factories and all that, it's just spring. Just override those bean definitions just like you would for anything. Uh, and you can, oh, you can you. tweak parts of their engine. You don't have to rebuild everything just to be able to change how messages, you know, priorities and thread pools. And Most of the stuff, like with Spring Cloud Stream, when it comes to brokers and connection, you just configure them through properties. I mean, it's uh, to get something so complex that you have to override a connection factor or a session factor or something like that. I can't recall. Um, we yeah. probably need to pull Gary for that. <laughs> It's it's rare. I agree. That's what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, he basically doesn't forget anything, so he would remember. So we're talking about Gary Russell. So we talked about some. So everybody we've talked about today has been on the show, by the way. Like, yeah, uh, Christian Solov, uh, Gary Russell, Artem. So if you're listening to the show on the podcast, just go to the uh, back back issues or back episodes or whatever. I don't know the log. I have to pull out Artem really quick, if I oh, may. This is yeah. like the the Cinderella story of open source and Spring. So. When I was uh, back in 2011-ish, 10-ish, yeah. we um, started getting, we had spring forums. We didn't have Sakura Flow back then. Oh, so this kid is contributing to with questions, and he is in the Ukraine, Kiev, Ukraine. So basically, Mark and I wake up in the morning, all the questions are already answered. We're like, oh, shit, we can't really do anything, right? So, and then a bunch of pull requests and everything else. I'm like, this guy is an animal. So, yeah. um a good one. So again, fast forwarding. So I, I, I reached out to him. I said, listen, you're doing an amazing job and so on. And Artem at the time assumed that I'm offering him a job. And I said, listen, hopefully at some point of time it will come to this. But at this point of time, we just wanted to acknowledge your presence and everything else and so on and so forth. So fast forwarding a couple of years, I'm leaving spring. And Mark is basically asking me, like, who do you think should replace you? Like, you know, and I said, listen, if you can, you, you got to find a way to. Oh, no, no. Before that, you me and a few other guys, we're doing this uh, spring one tour. 
uh, if you remember Kiev, Moscow, London, yeah. right? Yeah. And we met Artem. He was actually part of the keynote. We brought him in on stage and said, listen, this is the guy who contributes, blah, blah, blah. And he's a committer. At that, at that point in time, he was already a committer. So I said, anybody, any one of you can become this, right? So, and then again, a few, few years later, I'm leaving and that's what I just said. So I said, find a way to hire this guy. And then I left and then I maintained contact with Artem and I found, I found the, that he was hired somehow. They managed to do that. So right. you know, he eventually got hired. And then while I was still uh, in other company, he got his dream come true. He had a transfer. And I remember I actually working for another company. I, was, I wasn't part of the Spring organization at the time, but I picked him up and his wife at JFK. They just landed with a cat, two people and a, and a kid. And I picked him up. I rented the hotel for them and everything. So like this is a and look where he's now. He's got a house. He's got a normal life. And uh, I mean, you know, and a great developer, great engineer, well respected within the team. Okay. Uh, all around amazing guy. Well, amazing. And he's also one of those people that he works as hard as he's ever worked. And it, it blows my mind. Because he's an he, animal. He's a, he's a, a beast. Yeah. Totally. hundred percent. Like I do. I, and I, he writes documents. He's a lead now of Spring Innovation, right? He's a Spring Innovation lead, yeah. not just a committer, not just a contributor, but you know, he's and he oh, just, no, he, so the guy went from contributing to the forums, kind of pissing Mark and I off because we couldn't really answer any questions, to right. the lead of the project that you know he remained yeah. loyal throughout all these years, and not yeah. just you know like an amazing lead. I mean, I can't imagine yeah. anybody better well, at that. So you okay? Let's. Here's another thing. Here's another parallel. You worked on a project called Spring Scala, which created a. Oh. And you also created. You also didn't you do the Groovy DSL for Spring Innovation? No, that wasn't me. Thank God. Uh, okay. Which what was the DSL? There was a DSL. I did Scala DSL, and I had for, a lot of fun with it. Yes. Because for DSL, Scala was pretty good. Very good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because of so, production with the compiler, the, the, the things you could do. Like, for oh, example, yeah. remember, remember service activator. Like, I was always saying if DSL, like the, the Fluent API, only makes sense if when I say dot and the IntelliSense tells me, look, what can I do? If it right. can only do suggest what I can actually do, yeah, right? Be so, if I do that service and the service doesn't return in my Lambda, it doesn't return anything. Because remember, service activator could return a value or could be a consumer. So, I had this problem. And Scala guys, oh, that's easy. And they just send me the piece of code right. that I included. I'm like, oh, if, if it looks inside so of your Lambda and it determines at the compile time, yeah. oh, you're not returning anything. You're returning units. So there's nothing to continue. So when you say dot, it says the only thing you can do is build. Right. And if so, you return foo, all of a sudden you can do a slew of things. So it was great. It was fun. It was, and so that was, that was 2011, right? That stuff. And I remember yeah. that stuff. And I and I was so excited because that was the first time Spring Innovation had sprouted uh, non XML wings, right? Well, there was Rue, if you remember that. Uh, but that but it, but it wasn't there was no DSL except for other languages, right? In Java, we didn't have it. Right. Artem, we give I give Artem credit for this, right? He's the one who created the integration flow. Uh, DSL, oh yeah, the Java is, DSL. And and the Java DSL, the one that everybody's using today, and that that like the Scala one was the first one, and I think it was great. But Ruby DSL Turansky, double what? with that. that, that Dave Turansky, if you remember Dave Turansky, yeah, he did the Groovy DSL. Groovy, oh, that's right. Yes. I just remembered, yeah. Right, there's a Groovy DSL, there's a Scala DSL. I remember those early days we had like DSLs, but for the Java people, for the JV, people writing Java code, it's still XML for you, you know, because we couldn't get it right. And then Artem came in and delivered this 
masterpiece of a of a code base. Like this, yep. this the DSL. Do not try and understand it, my friends. I don't even understand. I've been using it for a decade now, almost, and it, it, only Artem can write that code and make it work. But when you're using it, when you're consuming it as a consumer, not writing for it, writing to it, yeah, it's the easiest thing in the world. It just works, and it, it's beautiful, and it's clean, and yeah, uh, that's Artem. You know, amazing. Um, my friends, you've you know, you're one of my heroes. I think that's obvious. But uh, I want I want other people to know about you. I know how to reach you because you have foolishly given me your phone number. But <laughs> where, fool, where can you? Where can other people uh, who want to find you on the internet? Where can they find you? Are you on the internet? Do you want to be found? And if so, where? So Z underscore Oleg at Twitter. That's the easiest. Oleg Z at, yeah, Oleg Z at GitHub. Um. Probably a lot. I'm on LinkedIn, but I don't use it. I mean, I check it maybe three times a year. So uh, uh, yeah, Twitter. Twitter probably. We if you really need to like ping me and get my attention. I'm not right. on Twitter, but at least my phone will blink. <laughs> and then maybe oh, yeah. I'll if something's interesting, maybe I'll give you my email. Right. Um, and then the, uh, yeah, uh, somebody just posted a great. Po thing here. My son is studying computer science at a local college. He said he's learning stuff that's already, why isn't there a book uh, or spring book or a class in college? I want to point you to spring.academy. Um, yeah. Spring.academy is amazing. Uh, but I also have a slightly yeah. different uh, um, answer to the question. When okay. your son does graduate the college, he will have a diploma on the technology that's already obsolete. Right. So in that's other words, saying. Yeah, well, it's not just the, the beginning, it's at the very end. I mean, when oh, you get okay. the diploma and say, oh, I'm a computer scientist, well, you just got certified in technology that's already a legacy, right? So sure. the thing is that the only advice, like, and I, when I talk to students and, uh, and younger you know, developers, I say, listen, if you can't self-learn, if you cannot you know, open Google, read reference manual, get a book and, and learn from that by yourself, maybe this, and do it, you know, at two o'clock in the morning and get some instant sense of gratification when you're like, yes, I solved the problem. I understand now, whatever, and run. It's not the job for you. Because, yeah. yes, it's it's exciting, but sometimes we could go throughout the day and don't produce anything because it wasn't that type of day. But sometimes yeah. 16, 18 hours sounds like a normal working day. It is. You it's, can it's, accept that. If you can't say that's normal, that's fine, that's whatever. And because I need, needed to learn something before I write any piece of code, and right. I need to write thousands of lines of code that I'm going to throw away, deliberately knowing that. If you can't accept that, then... Yeah. But I will say, if you're doing it right, if you get to the point where... So at some point, you work these crazy long days. It's not. I'm not saying it's always going to be fun, but a lot of times, those crazy long days are the ones that feel most satisfying because you built... You took something that wasn't there and made it oh, look there. At, look at right now. It's 8 o'clock here in south of France. Oh, yeah. Oh, you. Like, like, I, believe me, I can find 10 other better things to do than talk to you. I know. I know. And <laughs> I, could, I cannot think of a better thing I would like to do. But uh, I appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Uh, it's been great. People are, people are uh, they say they have enjoyed our, our uh, conversation. That's, uh, of course, uh, because of you and your Wisdom, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, for those of you on the show, join us again in like 15 minutes. I'll have uh, Mahmoud Ben Asin, who's the lead of Spring Batch, 
Uh, so just we're going to sign off and uh, we'll see you all in wow. whatever, 16, 17 minutes. Thank, Thank you. you, Josh. It was always a pleasure. I'll see you in a few months. Well, in, in a month in Atlanta. Yes, sir. Wait, um, Nexus. That's going to be great. Nexus, yes. All right, dude. Cheers. Bye, everybody. A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm Josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.